Welcome to Unity of Fairfax, a positive path for spiritual living and spiritual center for education, practice, and service in Northern Virginia. We hope you find inspiration in this week's message. We're in what I affectionately refer to as food season. And you know why. It's because we have Thanksgiving this month, and then there's Christmas, and then there's the tsunami of Christmas cookies, and then there's New Year's parties, and then there's January, and the regret. (laughs) Oh, the regret. Or not. Or not. We're so blessed to have so much to eat. And, and I'm smelling this wonderful soup. So we have, before our annual membership meeting, we like to give people some food, preferably something a little protein, because we don't want to have a meeting where people are hangry. But uh, there is a lot going on in the atrium. So whatever you do, don't leave hungry. If we don't fill your heart, please let us fill your stomach, and we're going to call it even, okay? So anybody here like soup? Yeah, okay, great. It's kind of a soupy kind of day. Anybody here like salad? Yeah, uh, oh, I'm not sure if there's as many hands with that. Well, I'm a big fan of both. And after all, both are edible. And there's a difference. There's an interesting similarity and a difference uh, between soup and salad. So with soup, you put everything together and you heat it up and all the flavors just kind of marry and create something different, you know, because they all kind of lose part of themselves in the process of making the soup. And that's what's really wonderful about it. Now, when you make a salad, all the ingredients retain their original flavors. And yet they're better off because they're all there together. And I remember learning about this analogy from my friend Ramona Carroll. Ramona works for Fairfax County, and she coordinates interfaith work on behalf of the county. And she said, that's the richness and the wonder of interfaith work, because you bring all the ingredients together. Nobody has to sacrifice anything that they believe in, and yet it is so much better when the communities come together to co-create a world that works for everyone. Sounds very unity. And it's why I have so thoroughly enjoyed our seven-week Unity Awakening series this year based on the book Unity and World Religions by Reverend Paul John Roach. Because as he said when he spoke here on the 23rd of October, I wrote a book called Unity in World Religions, not Disunity in World Religions, looking to find the ways in which various world traditions share a similar message or might inspire one another so that together we can, as we say in unity, co-create a world that works for everyone. And I know that on Sundays we've had very inspiring services. In our metaphysical group on Sunday mornings, we've had various guest speakers come and make presentations that have really allowed us to dive a little deeper than we can on a Sunday service. And then on Thursday nights, we've had guest presenters come and share with us about the various world traditions. And wow, I just want to thank everybody who has been here for the metaphysical group for Sunday services, or for the Thursday groups via Zoom, because I know I have gotten a lot out of this experience and learned uh, far more than I anticipated. And anytime I learn something and become a little less ignorant, it is a good day. So that's a lot of what we do here at Unity, help people learn. And it's not just about to learn stuff just to know facts and information, but learn in order to do something with that knowledge. 
like open our hearts more to one another or find a practice from the various and sundry traditions that I can actually do myself that will allow me to deepen what I believe to be true or help me to realize that maybe an idea or thought I've been holding on to isn't helpful anymore. That's the richness and value of interfaith work. And in fact, this past Thursday, Wednesday, I had lunch at the American Turkish Friendship Association. You might remember the week when we had uh, focused on Islam, and we had the young women singers singing these beautiful uh, mythical, mystical songs. And one of the ideas that was birthed in that, I'm going to, I meant to mention this to the morning group, so I apologize for not telling you then, but I want to tell you now. We're going to start next year various, uh, uh, periodically, hosting Interfaith Friendship Sunday. Because I want to bring some of our friends back. And rather than talking about that tradition, integrate its practices with ours and invite members of the other community to come in so that we might deepen our connection and our understanding of Judaism and Islam and Hinduism and Buddhism and Taoism. It's just, I'm really excited about that. We were sitting there having lunch eating Turkish food, which I love. If you're not familiar with Turkish food, do so. And this idea was birthed and I thought, wow, we're doing that. So I thought we would do a quick run-through of some of what we've learned in this series. And I say some because if we wanted to spend time talking about everything we learned in this series, we would be here for seven weeks and we would miss Thanksgiving and Christmas and New Year's. And it's like, yeah, I kind of want to do that. So we're going to keep it short, but I just want to show a thread that I found in our series. So when we talk about Christianity, there's probably one verse in particular that I think unity could hang its hat on, and it's from Colossians. And it says, To them God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Central to our theology and unity is that every one of us is inherent, has this inherent Christ consciousness, this inherent divinity, and that our great work is to free uh, ourselves of those constrictions and limited thoughts, feelings, and beliefs about ourselves and about others so that this inner light might be given full and complete expression. But that comes with a certain level of responsibility. And recall that in Matthew chapter 25, there's the parable about the judgment of the nations. And it says in there, the king will answer them, truly I tell you, just as you did it to one of the least of these who are brothers and sisters of mine, you did it to me. So in a nutshell, what we're saying is as we awaken and discover the truth of our being and how we are all inherently good and beautiful and magnificent, we have a responsibility to share and to help others, to carry that light to the world, rather than to use that inherent power just to get stuff for ourselves. If this is, there's anything about this, it is about sharing and giving, not hoarding. There's a similar teaching that we see in Judaism. Let's look at that. And, and there's a wonderful saying, and I, and I shared this from the uh, work of Hillel the Elder, who was a contemporary of Jesus, actually, in which he said famously, that which is hateful to you, do not do unto your fellow. That is the whole Torah. The rest is commentary. Now go and learn. 
So in the Talmud, sacred Jewish writing from which this um, saying comes, there's a whole bunch of teaching. And in this, this saying is basically saying to, to all of us, if something hurts you, don't do it to somebody else. There are those of us who will learn with more positive phrasing, do this, do that. And there are times, though, when we will get the point more fully if we're told, don't do that. And if that is anything that harms or belittles, don't do that. And this ties in with that beautiful Jewish uh, notion of tikkun olam, to repair and improve the world. There is a teaching within Judaism that where there are broken places, go and fix them. Where there are holes, fill them. Where there is an absence of love, bring love. I just love that passion, that idea. Don't hurt anybody. And I would say, don't hurt yourself as well. Islam has some beautiful teachings around the same sort of concept. And when we dialogued that day, if you remember on the 9th of October with Afnan and Savem from Green Muslims, our environmental partner, we talked about five pillars of Islam, two in particular are one of reference. Zakat, which is almsgiving, and Psalm, which is fasting. Muslims are taught that there's a mandatory requirement to support others through charity. It's not a request, it's a requirement. If people are hungry and you have a means of helping, you must help. If people are thirsty and you have a means of helping, you must help. There's no ifs, ands, or buts. And maybe that's formed out of the birthplace of Islam in the Arabian Peninsula where life was simply hard. So there's this calling, make sure everybody has some food, some shelter, clothing, if you are at all able to do so. And then we think about the, the observance of the holy month of Ramadan, in which Muslims fast from sunrise to sunset. And the reason behind that is so that they understand what it means to go without, and understand and grow empathy for those who are doing without some good thing, and to remind them to grow in their capacity to be empathetic and compassionate. This is what that feels like. Never forget it. Care for others. Following that, we address the, uh, some of the ideas of Hinduism, the world's oldest known uh, religion. Hinduism is complex. It is perplexing. It is rich. And while 95% of the world's Hindus live in India, the influence of Hinduism is extensive around the world. Consider the practice of yoga, or the usage of mantras, or how many of us go to a guru when we want information, whether it's a tech guru, a leadership guru. There are, and how often have we already in today's service used the phrase, namaste, the divinity in me greets the divinity in you. Central to the idea, to the teaching of Hinduism and all of its forms is that God is formless yet takes many forms. And if you think about Hindu art, all of those are representations of the divine. To the Hindu people, Brahman, this universal principle of ultimate reality, is everywhere. 
And in the major schools of Hindu philosophy, it is material, efficient, formal, and the ultimate cause of all that exists. It is pervasive, infinite, it is eternal truth, it is consciousness and bliss which does not change and yet is the cause of all things. It is a metaphysical concept that refers to the single binding of unity behind diversity that exists in all the world. It's big. It sounds a lot like the way we describe God in unity. Formless, taking many forms, and yet seen everywhere and in everything. Now, within Hinduism and another Indian religion, Sikhism, there's a wonderful term called seva, S-E-V-A, sacred and selfless service, that is performed without regard for any reward coming back to the individual. These are services that can be performed to benefit of other people or to human beings or to the world. And I love that idea. I remember doing the interfaith walk in Washington one year when we were visiting all the the houses of worship down Mass Avenue, and there are a bunch of them. And we stopped at the Sikh temple, and they just handed out food just because it's what they do. It was so beautiful to be the recipient of that kindness and that grace. Now, when we look at Buddhism, a lot of teachings in Buddhism, and the one that resonates with me that I think is powerful for us is that suffering arises from craving and aversion. There is a lot of psychology in that, and there's a lot of psychology in the teachings of unity and science of mind. So when we talk about suffering coming from craving and aversion, what we're talking about, if we crave something, if we desire it, if we want it, then the problem is we worry that we won't get enough of it. So we're grasping, 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 always wanting more and more and more and afraid we're going to lose what we have. The flip side of that coin is aversion. We are afraid of something. And so we focus our time and our energy. Oh, my God, what if it happens? Oh, my God, I'm so afraid of it. And we just attach ourselves to it because we're afraid of it. And we're thinking about it all the time. So in that teaching, what they help the adherents do is to free themselves from attachments or aversions. Because when we're focusing on something that we're afraid we're going to lose or we're afraid it's going to happen, then we're not in the present moment. And so there are these wonderful Buddhist meditation practices that bring us to the present moment. There's a wonderful teaching of the Noble Eightfold Path to help the adherent engage in the process of detaching from suffering. And I love this idea about teaching about suffering because it is ultimately about compassion, to ease suffering, to help people be at peace in themselves and in the world. Last week, we looked at Taoism, and I love the teachings of Taoism, one of the indigenous religions of China, because Taoism teaches the balance of letting go and allowing along with making and doing, the yin, release, the yang, do. So remember, if you were with us, I opened my talk by saying, have you ever heard the phrases, easy does it, go with the flow, let go and let God? That's all Taoist philosophy at work in our lives. Or remember the song Let It Be by Paul McCartney. When I find myself in times of trouble, Mother Mary comes to me speaking words of wisdom. Yeah. And in that song, Mother Mary was his mother. 
whose name was Mary, not the Virgin Mary. It was the one he called Mom. We let the world love wash over us. We let, we let it be. All about letting and allowing. And so many of us practice Taoist principles and not even realize we're doing it. You know, and I love that line from the Doubter Jing that just kind of sums it all up. Who can make water clear? Nobody. But left alone, it will clear itself. Sometimes we just have to let it be. So Taoism, too, offers teachings on compassion. It's considered, compassion is considered one of the three jewels of Taoism, the other being humility and moderation. And listen to this from the 49th uh, saying of, of the Tao Te Ching. The master has no mind of her own. She understands the mind of the people. Those who are good, she treats as good. To those who aren't good, she treats as good. This is how she attains true goodness. She trusts people who are trustworthy. She also trusts people who are not trustworthy. This is how she gains true trust. I liken this to Unity's second principle, that reminder that there is that Christ spirit, that universal spirit of divinity within everyone. So where does that leave us in this very quick romp? There is a school of philosophy or teaching called the perennial philosophy. And the perennial philosophy suggests that there is a universal set of truths and values that are common to all principles and all peoples and all traditions. And so if we look at our study of what we learn from various traditions, if we look at them with our eyes open, we'll see similarities popping up and popping up and popping up, whether it's the importance of the value of prayer and the importance of spiritual teaching, the importance of meditation, the importance of spiritual study. So yes, when we study the world's traditions, we see lots of patterns and similarity. And the one that was most clearly articulated in our metaphysical group this morning was the idea that our religions invite us all to a bigger experience of life itself, to break free from our smallness and know we are connected to something much larger, something universal. So finally, what does this teach us as Unity True students? Paul, uh, uh, John Roach writes in his book. And his answer is perhaps that every approach to the divine is acceptable. Not just our way, always. And that we are wise to lean in and study and learn from the other folks in our interfaith salad bowl. Because when we do, we broaden our horizons, we broaden our perspectives, we make new friends, and we find ourselves in a better position to bring peace on earth. Goodwill to all. Thank you all for sharing this series with us. And with me, it has been a blessing. Thank you for tuning into Unity of Fairfax podcast. You're welcome to join us live in Oakton, Virginia, every Sunday at 9 and 11 a.m. Or view our live stream services from our website at unityoffairfax.org.
We appreciate your donations to support this podcast to make our message of positive, practical spirituality more accessible to all. See you next time.